The download is complete. Welcome to the AV Forums podcast, presented by Phil Hinton. Welcome to January's Home Cinema Podcast. Coming up, we interview Tim Page from Sony. So a little bit different on this month's podcast. Our regular pundits are not here. Instead, we have a special guest, Tim Page from Sony Europe. Hi, Tim. How are you? Hi, Phil. Thanks a lot for letting us join. Very well, thank you. Now, uh, Tim... Uh, a lot of people on the AV forums, a lot of our listeners will probably not know you, not know your role at Sony. So maybe you can uh, explain what your role is and what your responsibilities are. Okay, so I'm a senior manager of technology marketing at Sony Europe, um, primarily responsible for display technology. So that's Bravia, that's OLED, that's some some front projector thrown in there as well. And um, my role is to kind of um, convert these complicated technologies into easy to understand benefits for the consumer and also help out at trade shows and exhibitions and working very closely with Tokyo from product planning side, um, design side and sort of marketing as well. So quite a mixture of stuff there. Tim, what do you think is the most important aspect of uh, display technology, whether it's a projector or, or a TV? I think um, from our point of view, um, for sure, number one picture quality is the main focus because you know we all want to have a TV at home that has the best picture quality and the most natural picture quality. So that's why um, we really sort of pride ourselves into trying to um, give a consumer the a, a TV that has a picture that's very natural, you know, skin tones are good, brightness, colour, contrast, all those different sort of parameters are right up there in people's expectations. Now when it comes to uh, uh, presets, picture presets like dynamic, vivid, standard, that kind of thing, why do manufacturers like Sony add those settings into a TV? The thing with um, picture quality, and as I'm sure you, you found when you've been playing around with different um, TVs, there are just so many settings hidden inside the TV, many of them hidden in service modes and even what the consumer can, can access, many, many different things. And it's quite easy for you to completely change your picture quality to what you're meant to be watching to something that you actually don't quite like. So that's why we have... Um, three picture settings. We have a standard, which is kind of out-the-box um, setting suitable for home environments. We have a vivid setting, which is very high contrast, brightness, uh, colour is very uh, uh, very vivid. Um, this is primarily for shopfront mode. And we also have a cinema setting, which is a much more softer picture for, for the people, the listeners that like uh, technical details, the colour temperature set to warm to make the picture a lot more um, realistic as if you're at the cinema. So we're trying to, by having uh, picture presets, make it easy for people to, A, have one setting immediately out of the box and then another one for different types of content. Now, obviously, uh, if, if we're going to get technical about picture quality, uh, technically there is uh, only one standard which gets used for HD and SD in terms of colour space, colour temperature and so on. So should it not be that all TVs come... Uh, set up as accurate as possible to those standards or do you feel that picture preference is important? Um, yes, it'd be, it'd be nice if all the picture qualities of all the TVs are set up um, you know, to be the same level But and from us within Bravia we have many different ranges of TVs and different chassis and we're always trying to 
give the same level of picture quality whether you're buying a you know a high-end TV or a more sort of entry-level TV. So really trying to make it as um, as equal as possible amongst the whole range. How important is it to Sony that your TVs are capable of uh, producing picture quality to the industry standards and uh, obviously that means that the content that people are watching, they're seeing that as it's intended. Do you think that that's an important factor? Uh, for sure, uh, absolutely. I mean, from, from a Sony point of view, obviously our sister company, Sony Pictures, is creating movie content uh, you know, every day of the year and they want their content to be delivered into the home exactly as it was filmed by the movie director and with the same sort of picture quality that he sees when he's looking at his professional reference monitors on the film set or in, or in the TV studio. So this is why, um, coming into the consumer electronics side, we've put in this cinema mode preset into the TV to allow people to enjoy and experience that film quality with pretty much the same picture quality that the di- director's looking at. Now, we've seen... Uh your competitors add in modes like THX presets, um, which are obviously set up to to those standards. Do you see that as as a route that Sony might take by adding that in, or like what LG has done by adding in a picture wizard and ISF controls across the range? And we're always looking to improve uh, picture quality, and you know we have some currently some sort of intelligent features like light sensor, which is you know, measuring the brightness of the light in the room and the the ambient color temperatures, these kinds of things. So we're, you know, we're trying to be a bit more um, intelligent with uh, the TV picture quality. But in terms of uh, THX or ISF, you know, we're, you know, we're considering it at the moment, but nothing to report. Now, Tim, obviously I, I'm going to come back to, to the original point again then and, and say that really these TVs should come set up accurately out of the box. So is there a technical limitation as to why you're not able to do that? Is it because that you have to have the TV uh, looking vivid and bright and colourful on a show, showroom floor? For, for shopfront point of purposes, then you know, people, when they're going into you know, their local store and they see 20 sets in a row on two shelves, then you know, they're, they're likely to get tr- attracted to the most colourful picture, the brightest picture, simply because you think, oh, the picture's bright and fast-moving, it must be the best, because it stands out amongst uh, everybody else. Um, however, this is, you know, shop front mode, so we have to do that because if we had our TV looking very um, in the home condition, it would look quite pale in in comparison. But of course, you know, people don't watch TV in in uh, vivid mode, and when you get the set home, you have the choice to select home or shop. It's one, it's one of the very first settings that you see on the screen. So this means that we have the shop front setting for to attract the customer's eyes. And then we have the home setting, which is much more a you know, softer picture, much more natural skin tones. Uh, contrast is um, is uh, more gradation and stuff in there. So we have the options, definitely. Tim, do you think there's there's a lack of education for the end consumer in the mass market? And do you think that even manufacturers need a, a little pointing in the right direction from time to time? I think with TVs, oh, there's, there's lots of different technologies, lots of different numbers and features and specifications and for a, for a consumer, it can be quite daunting not knowing you know, which numbers to believe and um, what sort of features should they actually be looking for. Uh, we came up with this uh, opinion piece article, which was trying to put a bit of clarity into the, uh, in, into the, the consumer's eyes as to what do all these technologies mean, and what is the difference between different types of display technologies and the different refresh rate numbers and all this kind of stuff. So we're trying to 
you know, to help the listeners really to to make more sort of educated choices and to buy products that you know they're, they're happy with. Now, some would say that Sony producing a, a, a document like that could be used as uh, as a marketing device. Um, do you think that it's important for for maybe an independent body to to be releasing that kind of information, or can consumers trust the the manufacturers? Well, it's more a, a, a practical guide for you and I, really. To there's all the facts down there, and it's up to the consumer to you know to look at that and you know encourage them once you've digested that then you know please go into the stores and make your choice of whatever product you want to buy based on picture quality of course everybody's taste is different you know i might like a brighter picture than you or a more colorful picture so ultimately you you have to be happy with um, the picture quality that um, you're purchasing so i guess tim do you think personal preference is always going to uh, rule against actual uh, a reference picture um i mean reference is important because in a sense, you have a, uh, a standard that you can compare one TV to an, another TV. But at the end of the day, lots of people do adjust their pictures to to suit their personal tastes. And people with um, obviously people have different um, how should we say from their eyes. Some people people wearing glasses. Some people maybe short sighted, long sighted, have maybe colour blindness. All these sorts of things. So people um, change the picture settings to get the best out of the TV themselves. Now, you mentioned, um, obviously, the, the part of Sony's company is the Sony Pictures division. Have uh, you, as as uh, being involved in the TV marketing side and, and so on, have you actually ever spoken to a director and asked them what they think about um, members of the public or, or the standard of the TV pictures with them changing the picture to how they suit it instead of how the director maybe intended the, the image to look? Uh, not me personally, no. Uh, having said that, um, our engineers in Tokyo uh, are working very closely with Sony Pictures engineers in Culver City, Los Angeles, to come up with this you know, cinema mode setting. So there is a dialogue between the film side of the business and the um, TV side of the business that I'm representing today. Now, with new features on on tvs again we're coming back to maybe confusing the consumer now we see things like frame interpolation technology and advertising boasting 200 hertz 400 hertz 600 hertz do you think that that, that companies like sony and, and all your competitors do you think that that's adding more and more confusion to the market in terms of consumers and the sales staff um well i think it's down to uh, down to the actual numbers, um, you know, as you know, we're promoting the 200 hertz, and we have been doing for some time now. And you know, the benefit of what we are doing is that it's 200 unique frames every second. Um, so every picture is different, motion compensated with various different algorithms behind it. But in essence, there are 200 different pictures. Um, you know, there are other systems around with with larger numbers, and um, yes, it does. Um, create a bit of confusion because you're not comparing Apple with Apple in a sense and it's how these numbers are created um, can provide a bit of confusion there. So in particular how does your Bravia engine uh, produce the 200 hertz picture then? How many frames ahead is that is that looking at to make these new intelligent frames? Um, well you're taking two frames really so it's a, a frame delay if you like um, and then you're looking at all the 
parts of the picture that are changing, but importantly for us, we're looking in all directions, not just horizontal motion that some algorithms work with. Um, vertical is quite important, and also diagonal motion. And then we're creating three new frames to every one original frame. This is based on a 50 hertz uh, contents. But the algorithm's a bit more clever, because if it, and if it sees that, for example, or I don't know, you're watching Top Gear, and then suddenly Clarkson puts his foot down on the accelerator, and the, the Ferrari zooms across the screen, it's obviously getting faster and faster as the frames go on. So therefore, the algorithm can predict where the car's moving, but to take into the account that it's actually getting faster and, um, and speeding up. And if we look at uh, 24p contents, uh, of course, we can display 24p native without any motion compensation, just like you would see on Blu-ray. However, you know, some customers will want to use motion compensation with that. And in that case, it's creating seven new frames uh, every, for every one original frame. So the motion effect is even more smooth. So do you think that these 200 hertz systems are actually needed uh, on TVs these days? There's, there's lots of debate out there in the industry as to, you know, it's it's a sticking plaster to compensate for LCD deficiencies in, in terms of how that technology works. You know, plasma has a better response time and better motion. Um, so do you think that it, it's actually needed or do you think it's it's just a technology to, to maybe get consumers to purchase what they perceive to be a better TV? Um, LCD panel themselves have, have come on you know, leaps and bounds in the last uh, few years anyway, and we're getting quite um, high, uh, quick response times for those. Um, and we feel that we're trying to create the most smooth images possible and to get the best out of the technology and display. So for sports, for example, um, 200 hertz is ideal. It's really, really uh, smooth motion. We don't feel that Anything above you know, 250 hertz is necessary because the eye is not as sensitive to so um, high refresh rates. So therefore, we feel 200 or 240, if you're watching 60, 60p, 60i content, is really sort of the optimum speed. Now, obviously, adding in processing like that is going to add in some side effects. And, and uh, the phrase that we coined a little while back in our reviews was the, the soap opera look. Uh, everything looks a little bit unnatural, sped up. It does look clearer and there's no judder, but it just has this soap opera, soap opera look to it where it looks like it's been filmed on a digital camera. Is is there any way that, that you can get around that effect as the technology develops? Um, yes, it's all down to the um, motion flow or the 200 hertz algorithm inside. And you know, we have several settings, a standard and a high setting. And if you do set it to high, then everything is silky smooth and very uh, almost sort of metallic looking somehow. Um, however, some people have said, well, actually, that's, it's nice, but for certain contents, it's, it's too smooth. So this is why in our standard mode, we still have 200 hertz, but we still have a little bit of judder in the picture to give it a bit more um, realism. And this is due to the, the sort of different pull-down technologies that we're using in the, uh, in the video um, processing inside there. So, yes, there is the option to make it really smooth, but also an option to have high frame rate, but trying to retain some of that natural judder and movement that you may find in perhaps movie content or, or other stuff. Now, obviously, the, the purists out there are, are going to say that um, this type of technology changes, again, the intended look of say, film material, what, what would you say to that? Um, for the enthusiast who wants to you know, enjoy 
movie content from Blu-ray as it was the director has tended in true 24p full HD with you know 5.1 and all the rest of it, um, then you can enjoy it in true 24p without any motion compensation. However, there is always the option there to to enable it. So the choice is with the um, the listener really. And do you intend that to to always be the case, Tim? Will will it always be the case that there will be an off button for those people that that don't want that? So you're not going to add the processing behind their backs, as it were. Yes, absolutely. In fact, on the remote control, we have a dedicated theatre button. You see, it's the first thing I press whenever I watch a movie at home on on Blu-rays. Press the theatre button. It turns off the motion to give it the most natural cinema feel with the 24p and also adjust the picture settings to that cinema mode we were talking about earlier. So one button makes the um, picture as, as natural, as close to the movie content as it can be. So with uh, 2010 now upon us, um, where do you see Sony heading in the next year with your TV range? It's going to be quite exciting next year. Um, as we mentioned, the EFA, uh, 3D will be a key focus for 2010, where we will launch product into the markets uh, across the world, actually, at the same sort of time. We also showed uh, catch-up TV and uh, IPTV, video on demand, and our Bravia internet video system to give you access to online video content. So those are the sort of key areas for us for next year, as well as having you know, newer designs and slimmer TVs and, and the rest of it. And, of course, uh, Freeview HD switches on. Uh, it actually switched on on December the 2nd uh, at Winter Hill, which covers Manchester and Liverpool. And, obviously, uh, we're being told that 50% of the country by the middle of the year will be able to watch the World Cup in Freeview HD. So uh, what's Sony offering consumers in terms of Freeview HD? Uh, from new lineups, uh, we will have uh, Freeview HD tuner, DVB T2 inside, so there will be sort of no problems really. So we're putting product into the market um, early next year with Freeview HD there. And uh, do you have any release dates for that product? Uh, none I can tell you at the moment. <laughs> okay, okay then. Um, I'm sure we'll catch up at some point. You'll be able to give us those dates and we'll pass them on to the listeners. Um, so moving on, let's talk about 3D. This uh, seems to be everywhere at the moment and uh, no doubt. Uh, we're recording this in advance, but I'm sure that CES is is going to be full of 3D everywhere where we look. So um, what will Sony do with this technology this year and uh, what approach will you be using? So as we, we mentioned at EFA, the big announcement for next year for 3D. So we will be launching at some time next year. I cannot tell you exactly when, so you have to wait for CES for that. So I'm sorry, <laughs> but I'm sure we'll catch up anyway at, at CES. Um, and we'll have some models with 3D inside. We'll be using the, the active shutter system because this allows us to have full HD on both eyes, um, alternate frames, which is twice the resolution of the polarizer system, which the benefit of that is the glasses are cheaper, but the quality is not so, um, so good. So, um, yes, this is the way we're pushing forward for 3D. Uh, I mean, Sony as a company is very much involved from filming products, uh, filming movies in 3D, uh, PlayStation 3, uh, we'll get an upgrade for the firmware to be um, 3D capable, there'll be games coming in 3D, and other product categories will follow, including Blu-ray player. So it's all quite exciting, it's going to be our key focus. And uh, obviously Panasonic are pushing uh, this month for the Blu-ray spec to be standardised for 3D delivery, so is, is that something that Sony's supporting? Absolutely. I mean, it's, 
it's all due to the work of the Blu-ray Disc Association, of which we're a founding member. So we're, you know, we've got both of our interests are at heart here. We're finalising a, a standard for 3D content on Blu-ray. I mean, it, it might be worth telling the listeners that you, know, you can go and buy so-called 3D Blu-rays today, and inside the box you'll get your red and green glasses, the old schools or Jaws 3D kind of thing. And yes, you can see 3D in the same technique that was used on Channel 4 a couple of weeks ago. However, you know, let's let's not pretend that's all 3D can offer. You know, when you see full HD 3D that we'll be showing uh, at CES, um, then it's really sort of miles away from what people think of 3D from the red and green glasses. So do you think the public are excited about 3D TVs and wearing the glasses, or is this the industry pushing the idea onto the public? I think um, people are becoming more and more aware of 3D, primarily because you just go to your local uh, cinema and you, you can see at least two or three 3D movies. Um, you know, for only a couple of pounds more, you can see the 3D version of some of the top uh, animated cartoons and other, other leading titles. So that's helping. Channel 4 did their thing, as I said earlier. Um, Sky and other broadcasters are, are making noises about 3D channels. So momentum's definitely growing in for 3D content. Do you think the glasses are a drawback to the 3D system, or do you think it's a valuable asset in pushing the technology forward? To provide the, the best quality 3D experience, then you need the glasses, be it... Um, you know, active glasses or passive glasses we've opted for the active glasses because the quality is higher um, and so yes you definitely need the glasses and even for me who I wear glasses you know for 18 hours of the day putting 3D glasses on top of my normal glasses normal spectacles it's perfectly fine I can still enjoy 3D content and you, know, you don't have to be one metre two metres from the TV you can be quite a, a, a way back from the screen to enjoy the 3D effect and also quite a wide viewing angle as well. So how do Sony see the implementation of this technology into a TV? Obviously some members of the public might think that they have to watch absolutely everything in 3D. That's obviously not going to be the case, is it? It's going to be a normal TV but with the 3D option. Yes, a TV will have um, the capability to display 3D content, the left and right uh, eye and and also send the the so-called control signal from the from the source to the TV, which then sends a signal to the glasses to tell which eye to turn on and which eye to turn off. But that's only if you're watching 3D content. You can still enjoy your your normal day-to-day viewing with full high definition you know, 2D. And if you're watching 3D content, then you can you know, reap the rewards of, of having the glasses. And is this technology going to impact on? watching normal content in terms of affecting the picture quality in any way? Uh, no, no. It would be just as good watching normal TV um, as, as you see today. Now, I guess everybody's going to be asking the question, Tim, I don't know if you can answer this or not, but is 3D TV going to be affordable or is it going to be a, an expensive, expensive niche to start with? Well, um, I mean, as with all new technologies, we always... You know, we always launch quite high up in the ranges and then over time take motion flow 200 hertz, for example. We had it in you know, one model last year, we have it in more this year and, and so on and so forth. So it always starts high and then filters through. Um, but as I said, next year 
you know, we will launch a range of TVs with 3D capability. So just um, stay tuned. And uh, just briefly uh, about the Blu-ray side of things, uh, do you intend to, to release a 3D-capable Blu-ray player next year? I can't really comment for this because I'm representing um, Bravia today, but um, you know, it's something we're looking into. And I guess the next question has to be projection. Uh, you have two excellent uh, units on the market at the moment. Uh, any chance of adding 3D to them in the next year? I mean, 3D projections possible from a, a professional side already, and yeah, many of the 3D equipped cinemas that you see around the UK and, and other parts of Europe are, are using Sony projection SXRD 2K and 4K systems. So 3D projection is is capable, um, but from a consumer side, there's no news at the moment. So let's move away from 3D and uh, let's tackle the thorny issue of. LED TVs. Now, Tim, there's no such thing, is there? <laughs> Very good. There's, um, you know, LED TV simply is a, an LCD TV where they've replaced the phosphor tube backlight with a, an array or of LEDs, and these LEDs can be shining directly behind, or they can be shining around the, the perimeter of the screen. And the benefit of LED is lower power consumption, slimmer TVs, um, so the design point of view is, is quite nice. Um, you know, we've been making LED TVs, I say quietly, because we haven't promoted it so heavily, but actually for five years, started with the Qualia 005, the first 46-inch full HD TV. That was in Japan and USA. Then our X-Series in 2007, the, the, the Monster 70-inch was LED backlights. And current model, the X45, 55 and 46 inch again LED using RGB LED and our friend the ZX1 the the 9.9 millimeter TV is again a, an LED TV so you know we've been working on it for quite a long time really now there has been a lot of confusion there's been some controversy in the marketplace we won't name names um, but people don't know who we're talking about um, that the advertising can be misleading and the term LED TV can confuse the, the consumer. So from a Sony standpoint, what's your thoughts on that? Yes, it was fairly um, clever marketing, um, but it's only well, to try and create a kind of new TV category, but really it's not being so truthful because at the end of the day, it's still an LCD TV and it always will be an LCD TV. And then when you bring things like OLED into the mix having this apparent new category called LED, people think OLED is the same as LED, which of course is totally different. So we're really talking about you know, two different types of products from OLED and, and from LED. And it's just worth remembering that you know, LCD has, has improved dramatically over recent years in terms of picture quality. And thanks to LED backlights, we've got contrasts, dynamic contrasts in the millions now, um, and really great picture performance. So I take it from what you say there that Sony won't be using the same type of marketing techniques and uh, you intend to be quite upfront with the, with the consumer about what it is that they're actually buying. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's always an LCD TV. Um, it may have LED backlight. It may have CCFL. It may have HCFL, the hot cathode that we see in the WE5 Echo TV. But at the end of the day, it's still an LCD panel there. It's displaying the images and just a different light source behind it. Now, obviously, you mentioned uh, the OLED angle. Do you think um, that this is going to create 
quite a bit of confusion now that we have uh, three or four different manufacturers using the term LED TV in in the market, and that um, we could see quite a mess when it comes to LEDs launch. Yeah, you know, we're lucky that you know your listeners and here today are very much clued into the technology. But for people that are not so aware of, of all the, the technical details, will automatically think LED is OLED and vice versa. So there is a bit of confusion there. But again, we are you know, when we're promoting OLED, we're promoting it as an organic light emitting display. We're not talking about LED, and the same for LCD is always a liquid crystal display. So we're trying to be very clear in our communication exactly what the benefits of each product are. Now, it's been quite a while since we first saw OL, uh, OLED or OLED, however you want to pronounce it. And uh, we're now 2010. Are we any closer to a 50-inch OLED display? Well, we've had our 11-inch on sale for uh, from some time now. Um, and we're, con- we're continually uh, investigating the future for OLED. <laughs> That's quite a cryptic answer there. So I, I take it there's no firm details as yet as to how OLED's going to, uh, or OLED is going to progress. At the moment, we have, um, you know, we're, we're still investigating it, really. So nothing to reveal today, unfortunately. Tim, just wrapping this up, I mean, it's fair to say nobody's going to deny it that 2009 has been a tough year for manufacturers and dealers and enthusiasts. So. We, we've also lost some, some big and respected names such as Fujitsu and, and Pioneer. Um, so do you think the industry is now over the worst of it and, and how do you see Sony progressing? I think for you know, 2009, 2010, we, we've been great at creating innovative products that consumers want packaged together to provide great home entertainment solutions. And people are not just buying a TV, they're buying... Uh, a Blu-ray, they're uh, you know, replacing their DVD with Blu-ray, they're getting surround sound put in their homes and maybe they didn't have it before. So we're trying to you know, market all these different products together to be much more sort of focus-driven for different types of customers. And I guess my final question has to be, uh, 2010, what do AV enthusiasts have to look forward to from Sony? Definitely 3D, as we mentioned, larger screen sizes, sexier designs, and uh, more internet connectivity. Well, it's been great having you on the podcast, Tim. Uh, Thanks very much for your time. And uh, if listeners have any further questions, uh, we'll come back. We'll do this in a few months' time uh, once we get CES and IAC and all the other big shows out of the way. And uh, once again, thanks for your time, Tim. Thanks, Phil. Speak to you soon. Join the discussion at Europe's largest home cinema website. Log in to avforums.com. Made by enthusiasts. For enthusiasts. Wow, a free movie. Thanks. This is the AV Podcast. So our thanks to Tim Page from Sony for the interview. And don't forget to stay tuned for our CES coverage, which starts on January the 7th through to January the 10th in the AV Forums video area. This is Phil Hinton saying thanks for listening and we'll be back with our regular podcast in February. The AV Podcast was presented by Phil Hinton. Original music by Andrew Bassett and Richard Cosgrove. The AV Podcast was mixed and produced by Phil Hinton and the senior producer was Stuart Wright. All content including sound clips and music is copyright material and featured for promotional use only. The AV Podcast is copyright M2M Limited.